0: Welcome to Radio by Jack Roberts. It is our mission to bring you inspired conversations with the world's inspired minds. We host wide-ranging discussions on business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, mindset, and much more. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Our guest today is Mika Hendra. Mika's upcoming book titled She incorporates both images and poetry to encourage radical self-acceptance and uninhibited self-expression. Seeking to break the conventional stereotypes of the modern woman. Mika, welcome to Video.
1: Thanks,
0: Jack, thanks for having me. Mika, define the stereotype of the modern woman that you're seeking to break.
1: Okay, thanks for that, Jack. Um, Firstly, I find that question somewhat flawed because um, the book seeks to break down all stereotypes and archetypes. So I can't define the stereotypical one but I can define me um, and then you'll see the types of stereotypes I'm trying to break. Um, So firstly I am in the corporate world, Um, I have a 9 to 5 job, I work with um, senior executives um, and in um, supporting them to be and operate at their most efficient uh, effective and influential selves, um, and I am obsessed with fitness. I quite like to um, push my body to its limits in, in many ways, and I feel that I'm also maternal, I'm also giving as a woman. I'm quite artistic. Um, I have many different sides to me, including you know an old soul and an inner child. I think that I'm also um, able to be sensual and sexual as a woman, and able to express those. Um, in today's world as well, um, which I'm very grateful for and I think that's, that's enough <laughs> so far. Yeah.
0: What are some of the elements that you're seeking to shift through your work, I guess with the collective stereotypes?
1: Um, I think that I'm just trying to uh, encourage people to firstly find out and connect with who they are um, intrinsically. A lot of people seem to have lost their essence um, through things that they pick up from societal pressures, cultural pressures, parental pressures, um, academic pressures, everything. um, We often get a lot of these um, stereotypes or things that we think we should be doing put on us um, by people and influences in our lives. Uh, This is firstly a little check-in to remove those things um, and then to, if we don't know what our passions are, to explore and encourage um, people to try and find what their passions are and ultimately lead them to their purpose. And then from that point then, once they've found who they are and what they want to be and achieve, um, have the courage and determination to see that come to life.
0: Your upcoming book, She, details your journey. Take me through the three parts of your book, um, and in essence, really your life.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so the three parts to the book and my journey were uh, baby girl, um, fairly self-explanatory, so, uh journey as a child. Uh, Heal which then talks to the point of um, recognizing the things that you pick up in your childhood, whether whether it's traumas, whether it's triggers, um, and all those different pressures to be things other than who you are. Then there is the live part, which is once you've removed all those things uh, from yourself, from your triggers, from your behaviors and everything, then how do you want to live in the world? How do you want to feel? How do you want to express? How do you want to um, like see and touch? and and create in the world, it's, uh, it's all about going into the senses and um, actually living and feeling the so Those three parts.
0: I've been doing a little bit of research, yeah. as I do, before mm-hmm. we sit down. Mm-hmm. Um, you spoke a little bit about, I guess, um, picking up sort of experiences along the way um, and almost like tucking them in your backpack or burdening the responsibilities you mm-hmm. work through life. <laughs> um, take me through, um, take me through some of those experiences and how they shaped, I guess, your world to the point where you sat down and decided you needed to write *She*.
1: Yeah. Um, well, the writing of *She* has kind of been uh, ongoing throughout my whole life. For me, it was a type of therapy. Um, my mum always encouraged me to write, and I always seemed to have this interesting poetic way with words. Anyway, uh, so it was very therapeutic for me. It was a allowed me to able to better able process what was happening to me um, and uh, look at it um, from a third person when i was writing so things that i guess shaped me was um, my experience as a child Uh, we grew up roman catholic uh, but um, i wouldn't consider myself necessarily religious these days my mother ended up raising us myself and my three brothers we had a beautiful childhood um, but it was not necessarily the typical childhood. Um, it was, my mother is a superhero in my eyes. She was able to raise four of us on her own whilst uh, she worked to start her own building company, and get a builder's ticket. Um, she kept us all with the same friends, um, despite uh, challenges that she kept coming up against. So the first one was um, my biological father. He's a great man. Um, but just not necessarily a great father figure. He uh, left my mother and she had to bring us up financially, um, emotionally, everything. Um, She was our one stop shop for everything. And then after that experience um, with my dad, which I later found out he's um, somewhat narcissistic in many of those traits. So you can't blame people like that because they don't see their fault in anything. and in many cases, or in my experience with him, they they just are unable to see their flaws and they are constantly blaming outwardly. Um, So I took on a lot from my experience with that, Um, mainly that as a woman and as a child or a baby girl, I thought that in the eyes of men I was unlovable or I was always going to be abandoned and left. And that's something that I picked up from those behaviours. On my shoulders and identified with who I am. I got my self-esteem from there, I got my confidence from those experiences and took them into my life as a young adult. And then um, many other situations that you experienced from there, relationships. I had been engaged um, to uh, a beautiful guy who was a born-again Christian who was so misaligned with who I am now. Um, but until I until that had ended, that relationship, and I walked away from that, I didn't realise the things that I was carrying. That gave me a very, very um, clear understanding of how I was operating and how I was in complete misalignment with who I wanted to be and I was um, more reacting to life than actually proactively creating it. Um, so, after I left that um, engagement, I figured out that um, there were parts of me that Needed validation from these experiences, which I didn't want to be like that. Um, and I started. I was in high school before I started to realize this. Um, I don't know if you, you watch TV. Everybody talks about a typical character, it's a typical woman that has daddy issues, right? Yep. Yeah. It's an it's almost an archetype in itself. It is. It yeah. is. And I learned of this early. My three brothers said, "You're not going to be one of those people. You're not going to do this. You're not going to yeah. express that way. You're not going to band aid." Um, any pain that you have in your life by doing the typical things that would identify a person as someone with issues.
0: So I guess to you didn't your brothers sort of was said like, no, we're not gonna let you go and seek validation externally mm. through a number of I guess maybe a little bit more toxic
1: yeah.
0: Uh, pursuits. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of um, I guess it it didn't really give you that release at the same time. yeah and you ended up in this relationship?
1: I was a serial monogamous for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't find, I didn't feel complete without a partner. I didn't feel that I was uh, complete as a woman without a partner. And so that led me into a different um, different type of escape, a different type of escapism, which wasn't necessarily healthy either. Um, but they were just being typical brothers just looking after, you know, trying okay. to support me. And uh, then that also. It's part of that journey that led me to this point. Of okay, I've gotten to this point. I've left this relationship. I don't have the things that, are you know, typical milestones for success for a woman at the time. What do I want? Who, who am I? What do I want to be? I knew that it was nothing along the lines of what I had, and I didn't realize necessarily what I wanted to do and what I was passionate about. Um, so that's the journey of discovery. I started. Testing things, playing things. I started taking up new hobbies, meeting new people, um, using my voice, which is something that I had, um, I guess, hidden and masked for a while. Um, and yeah, loved it. Fell in love with myself and life and got my true alignment of my mind, body, and soul and then been able to kind of flow through life. That's that. Mm-hmm.
0: What were some of those typical milestones that you? I guess envisaged that you would have met by the time you, I guess, ventured out on your yeah. real discovery, your <laughs> real, um, I guess, journey to self-acceptance. Yeah. What were those milestones that were sort of burnt into your brain and yeah. you are like, I should have done this, I should have done that?
1: Yeah. Well, culturally, um, Eurasian, so half Chinese, half Italian, and the Italian and Chinese culture dictates, not dictates, um, it uh, doesn't leave much room for expression outside of um, growing up, getting educated, um, finding a partner, getting a house, getting a dog, having children um, and doing that almost as fast as possible. The question is, alright, uh, what's your name? Mika, what do you do? This. Do you have a partner? Yes, no. If not, why? What's wrong with Are you going to have children? Why not? Um, and so these types of questions and these types of um, conversations lead you to believe that if I don't have those, I'm, I'm missing something, I'm not successful so there was marriage um, a partner, there is um, a house or things like that that are associated with a success, success as, a, as a woman
0: The very interesting thing with you though is that it's not that you reject those concepts as yeah. a whole it's that you I guess didn't identify with the way that they were being presented oh. to you the first time around yeah. it's not that you don't want children or that you don't want to be in a, yeah. you know, in a loving relationship, yeah. but you just, I guess you hadn't found enough self-acceptance to fully yeah. embrace the opportunities that you've been presenting before you. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're right. Or it, perhaps I didn't find fulfillment in the ones that I had. Um, so before I became self-aware, um, aware of my own uh, triggers and, and I guess shadows, um, at that point I was running to be successful and I was engaged at 21. Um, with my partner at the time who I'd been with uh, for a few years and we were together I think all in all five and a half years um, and they were from a born again Christian family It suited the Roman Catholic side of my family and um, it was just so not free. And I, wasn't, I had all of these beautiful ways of thinking and things that I wanted to express and feel and live and experience and they often told to me that there was sin the, things that I wanted to do, things that I thought might be interesting, um, were brought up sometimes around a dinner table, not necessarily pointed at me, but just for, hey, what do you guys think about this? Um, because it's something that I had expressed maybe in private with a partner. And they were brought up in the table to say, oh, oh that's a sin, that's a flaw in the parenting or it's, um, you know, something very, very close-minded and I thought, wow, well, there must be a lot of things wrong with me to want those things. Um, and then I slowly started to grow and uh, gain confidence and strength and I realised there's no flaw in me, it's just this is, This doesn't fit me. This doesn't allow me to feel free. So it wasn't right.
0: You obviously used the word sin, which is a typically Judeo-Christian kind of um, phrase. Yeah. Um, which is, It's an archery term which means to miss the mark. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting choice of words because obviously you've expressed... Um, you know, you had a relatively religious upbringing, um, and then you've been in this relationship with a, another religious, I guess, family, mm-hmm. um, and that was ticking a lot of boxes for you. Um, on paper. Yeah, on paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as you journeyed through that, I guess you probably, there would have been a question of faith and things like that, mm-hmm. which probably came up. Yeah. But do you feel like today you still approach the world with, um, I guess, a bedrock of, judeo-christian values you're just a little bit less set on maybe the interpretation of those
1: yes i like how you brought this up having read your manuscript actually you've written on this Um, it's fascinating to see your thought process and your research that has led you ultimately to some of the similar ideals and um, uh, shared values that we both have based on your research on that i think what you were saying um, in your manuscript, I wrote some words down before I um, before I got here, which I don't remember them at the moment. <laughs> uh, the first one was uh, religious texts um, are used as a map towards your ultimate purpose.
0: Yeah, like I guess the theory, and um, for everyone at home, I'm partial way through, um, partial way through a book. I think that's the first time I've spoken about it publicly. Publicly, but Sorry um, if I that. No, no, okay, that's first okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mika, um, I sent Mika an excerpt of um, of the writing as we'll discuss in her book, um, and a few other things that we discussed, um, you know, previously. Um, and one of the key concepts in there was, I guess, religion. Um, and f- for me, again, I probably walked a similar journey to to Mika in the sense that I had um, religious family, and then I also had an extremely atheist family, and then it's been a process of through different relationships and a a lot of other things, remedying those viewpoints and understanding, Mm. actually orienting myself in the Mm. world. Um, And I actually found that when I went back and I read the Bible and I read literary analysis of the Bible, um, I found it a very helpful text to to orient yourself in the world. Mm. Um, So I think we all have this intuition inside of us which pulls us towards something greater Mm. or the things that we really want. Um, but I think without a compass. yeah, without a structure, it's very very difficult for humans to interpret that. Um, I love the work of Sam Harris and um, and you know other very renowned atheists. But the one I guess gap that evolves in all of those all of their hypotheses is these are people that are born and raised in a society that's traditionally Judeo-Christian, and whether you like it or not, if you're born in the West. Um, our laws, the way that we live our life to be a a law abiding citizen is basically founded founded on the Ten Commandments Um, so whether you identify as religious agnostic or even atheist um, I think there's always that overlay of Judeo-Christian values that Mm. seep into into your mind, I guess that's sort of what you raised there, and that's what I hypothesise in my Mm. writing Um, and I guess the the question is sort of Directing it that way, you have found this freedom and this expression. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still see someone that also has, you know, grounding in these yeah. traditional societal yeah. values that we all perpetuate. Yes. Um, how do you, I guess, how do you interpret that? How does that sit with you?
1: Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I um, I renounce any type of religion. I think that the foundation that it gave me um, and the structure that it gave me in my beliefs um, and to be a, a good human in general at a um, positive influence on humankind, I guess. Uh, they were fantastic with regards to that. Um, and also, I think that um, the Judeo-Christian, um, what was it, relationship or connection to us, that? Uh,
0: Judeo-Christian worldview, maybe? Yeah, yeah.
1: worldview um, probably does underpin a lot of um, a lot of good people in life. I think the part where it doesn't religion didn't sit with me is when um, I wasn't able to express and be myself and be accepted um, by those religions or people of those religions. In order to be accepted, I had to change fundamental things about who I was, or um, you know, dive into my essence and say that's not right, that's a sin, throw that out. The things that I felt innately were. You know, against these um, the, the deities or the gods of these religions. That's the part where I started to go, okay. If something's amiss here, um, I don't. I probably don't fit in with this crowd, or I need to do some some research to find out how this was interpreted this way, or how I can express and also be considered a, a, a good human, right?
0: Is there anything that you have, I guess, explored that would be um, with the benefit of hindsight, um, you've almost um, you've considered a sin yourself. Like you've pushed the boundary um, to explore, and then you've gone. Actually, you know what? That doesn't quite sit right with my,
1: <laughs> you know, your moral structure. I yeah. guess. Yes. Um, fascinating question. Um, not necessarily that I would consider it a sin or something they shouldn't do, because I I haven't done thing. I haven't killed anyone (laughs) that I know of. Um, I haven't seriously injured someone uh, intentionally. I don't think I've seriously injured anyone actually. Um, But not necessarily that i consider a sin. There are things that I've tried and experienced that I would think, okay, no, I don't really like that. (laughs) But I wouldn't consider it a sin. My philosophy for life in many ways is um, try everything three times. Because
0: (laughs) or try everything once.
1: Well, the first time you could have had an off day. You might not necessarily like it. The second time it could be you know a year or three or four years in between, and then you think, okay, I've I've grown since then, and it does suit your palate at the time. And the third time, you you definitely will know, and you have a a well-formed, researched opinion as to why you hate it, why you like it, or you might have you know flipped from hating to liking or liking to hating by then. Um, Yeah, but I don't think. There are many things that I would do that I would consider a sin or bad.
0: I'm going to read you a quote. You mm-hmm. I want to provoke and persuade others into a liberated, passionate, and purposeful life. That's a quote by you, isn't it? It is. Yes. <laughs> how do these words? Know ins- my poetry. <laughs> how do these words inspire you um, and how you approach the world?
1: Um. Well, they inspire me to keep on going because without provocation and without um, perhaps persuasion or example of different ways of living, perhaps non-conventional or just alternative ways of living and expressing, um, people can't be met with discomfort and then they often can't have any type of growth um, or, in my opinion, and this goes with many different people's um, ways of getting growth. Without provocation, without challenge, and without um, obstacles, you're never going to be met with an opportunity to fully show uh, your strength, your ability to cope with things, um, your ability to pivot and adapt, and perhaps all new ways of living and expressing that you would never otherwise come up against if you are in a very comfortable, safe, um, unprovoked uh, environment. So that's the first one. And the second bit of that is um it goes to the healing part of the book and why took why you write it is you often meet a lot of people that you know, with their questions, with the way that they're living or expressing perhaps with a little bit of their t- timidity, their timiders, um, that they are carrying a lot of things on their shoulders. They've anything that they've been through in their life, whether it's a traumatic childhood, if you know Situations where they've been knocked back, they've been rejected, they've been um, bullied or um, belittled in ways. It's like any of those situations, like a post-it note. You got the post-it note, and they stick it on you. People just get weighed down by these things, and they identify who they are um, and their their place in the world with these post-it notes. Um, and so that quote and my I guess reason for writing the book um, is to take all of those post-it notes off have a clear slate clean slate figure out who you are and then with passion and purpose go and create go and be the change making human that you're born to be without all of those post-it notes without all of that stuff that people put onto you Um, I
0: I want to talk about the archetypical post-it note now I don't um, just talked about taking the post-it notes off and now I'm about to slap a great big one on you but um, I don't want it (laughs) I guess um, Carl Jung hypothesized the concept of the shadow um, as the archetypical darkness inside each person. Yes. Can you share with us your encounters with the shadow, firstly, yeah. um, and then later your integration of that?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I guess for a while there, um, I think it was during high school and, and shortly after, I would say that I walked around with a view of the world that was um, positive for everyone else but for myself and my place in it was quite dark and so I think perhaps I was even shaded by my own shadow and then I got to a place after that, um, around about, you know, in my early twenties where I stepped into the light myself, I could see positive things for myself, I could see exciting, um, sensory pleasing things for the world and I could see Passion and purpose and all of those things. And then and then you're put in situations where you are perhaps triggered into old emotions and the reactions don't align with the woman that you've grown into or the human that you've grown into. They they take you back a few years or in many cases decades into your childhood and you react from a place of trigger and fear. And then with these reactions I thought, okay, yeah, that's something going on here. I am who I am today and I just behaved like a you know a crying child in the corner, who's scared of her dad not loving her. Um, And I think that's where I was um, firstly made aware of my shadow side. Um, There's a a line of poetry in the book that says, the lessons you fail to learn, the universe will deliver tenfold. So anything that you don't learn from a certain situation, if you're perpetuating certain behaviours or cycles, um, anything that you don't learn, the universe will just keep on delivering you, slapping you in the face with until you get it, and it will get bigger and bigger the message or the learning each time until you get it. And for me it was in my reactions. Um, and I guess from there I um, with you know help of people around me or um, I have sorry therapists for a while, you, you dive into your darkness and the triggers and you think um, you go into where they come from and then you illuminate them in a way and then you merge them with your true character. I think that's what Carl Jung says. If you're aware of your shadow integration. yes. Yep. Um, so I did things like that and then uh, going back to this the question before to provoke and persuade people, once you've cleared, you know, things that you're aware of, then you go into, you know, more stages of discovery and provocation until you find more and clear and you're just constantly growing into a um, untriggerable self, a more yeah. evolved and whole um, and and calm self and then that I think leads you ultimately. To change making
0: we're going to move through um, a few more, I guess, uh, quick fire questions, but they are still quite deep. So um, we'll start with Mika. What is your favourite failure? My
1: favourite failure? Um, wow, favourite failure. Um, Well, there's, there's a lot. I don't know if I'd categorise any of them as favourites. Um, maybe the
0: one you've learnt the most from?
1: Yeah. Well I think that an engagement not working out would be typically counted as a failure. Um, it wasn't necessarily a good experience to go through, but had I not gone through that, it wouldn't have kick started me on my journey um, to I guess where I am today, it wouldn't have Freed me up and enabled me to move to Melbourne. I'm originally from Western Australia, um, and it would have restricted who uh, I am, my growth, and my opportunity um, in many ways. Not for any flaw of that person, just because it was a misalignment of for me, and I was, you know, square peg round hole, isn't that what they say? I was trying to fit into this certain way that I wasn't. So I guess that. Would be the one.
0: Your best purchase under a hundred dollars in the last six months. I'll give you longer than six months. I'll give you 12 months because of COVID. Uh, Something to make your life a little bit better.
1: Best purchase. Um, I bought a Polaroid camera. I love photography. Um, I bought a few cameras actually in the last six months, Um, but a Polaroid camera because you can take it anywhere. People love Polaroids and it's an instant printout of a memory of a time of an emotion you're feeling, and it's generally happy. Celebrating something,
0: you your friends, and how often do you ever print out photos? I do print out photos, but I'm a little bit, uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit different. And it's interesting. Like I'll go back through a thousand photos that I've taken on, on any digital device, mm-hmm. and I'll only print out five. Yeah. Um, the That's thing the that point. I've played with your Polaroid camera. So yeah. the thing that it's like <laughs> this little moment in time yeah. that you probably normally wouldn't. Like some of the funny thing with Polaroid is it's not you know, 8K HD no, cameras no, like no, we're surrounded no. by here. It's, it's just blurry, little, little yeah. yeah. But
1: it's a snippet of an emotion. Um, it's authenticity. Yeah, captured. Yeah, and I love it. And then you go home and you just display them wherever you want to. And even if it's imperfect, which I think I love about the Polaroid, is you capture it imperfectly, like similar to film. Um, yeah, probably that.
0: What are three tips, I guess, a little one percenters that you would give um, that you would give someone
1: to level up their life day to day? Three tips. Mm. Uh, Well, I guess, firstly, heal, find your shadow side, um, and remove that from your shoulders, and then you can ultimately operate in flow with your essence and who you are. That's one, um, to level up their life. um, To make sure that their life is in harmony, in balance. And I think for me, to be successful and achieve you're not exponentially successful in one area and then having all other areas fail. Um, As an EA, I think that I have always been able to identify um, in executives where the areas are which they might necessarily drop the ball and pick that up for them. I think success is balanced across all areas of life, so in your workplace, in your family life, in your love life, in your health. Um, Everything. You can't, I think, these days um, be successful and seek to inspire and um, motivate people when you might be good at your job, but uh, your health is failing or your relationships are failing, you're probably not the best parent that you could be. Um, It's it's all about balance for me. And then the third one um, try. Just try and fail and try again and perpetually try. Uh, You will always find something that is beneficial from every failure and every lesson. Um, if you don't, you're not looking at it correctly, in my opinion. Um, but you never know until you, you try. And then if it doesn't work, you try.
0: I love the philosophical a- approach to the questions. I was waiting for you to say TRX. And I was going to I'm never going to do TRX. But, um, tell tell, TRX tell TRX. us a little bit about TRX.
1: Um, TRX, I am obsessed with. I'm a former elite gymnast so I had a lot of um, training and flexibility to start with. I lost it all completely and then moving to Melbourne when I first got here I didn't really have that many friends and I didn't really have that much of a social life or that much to do so I would spend a lot of time at the gym. Um, And the gym is packed generally everywhere, there's people always on the racks, always um, on the weights and I just looked at this strap hanging from one of the squat racks one day and I was like, well I'll try. There was a little chart on the wall and I was like, okay, put your feet in here, what's going on here? Um, and I became obsessed with it because it brought back a lot of my flexibility, my handstands. Um, then I did some research into it and it was developed by a marine, did
0: you know I didn't know that. I know the, re- the only reason I know that it's always empty at the gym. TRX and the rowing machine is because they're
1: fucking hard. <laughs> they are. That's
0: why no one does it. Yeah. no one ever on the roller or on the TRX machine. You
1: don't need any other piece of equipment if you just have TRX. And particularly now, um, when we've learned a lot of lessons from going into uh, COVID state, uh, you can put this strap on the back of your door and train everything without any weights and you're done. But the, the Marine who developed this, he actually wanted to find a way to keep his squad, his team as fit uh, as flexible and as like um, combat ready, combat ready at any given time, with as most ease as possible, with as little equipment. So he developed it with the parachute. He used the straps and the the cords as the first one, and then he came back and developed this enormous, like almost cult following, based around this piece of equipment. It's um incredible. I love it. Do you want some more? No, <laughs> I don't want to ever talk about Terex
0: ever again because I hate going on Terex. <laughs> I'll get you on it. I will get you on it. Um, yes. I'll take you up on the offer because I'm in a ridiculous bet at the moment. Yeah. I need all the help I can yeah.
1: get. If, I've, I've never seen abs before until I use this piece of equipment, and it develops the lower abs in a way that no other piece of equipment can. It hurts. It it hurts like, fuck, can I say that? I'm sorry. You can say that. But it gets results.
0: I think that it's it's incredible, just the power of utilizing your own body weight when it comes to health and fitness. It's probably, um, you know, I know you're a big fan of using cryo um, and cold therapy generally. Mm-hmm. You practice Wim Hof as well. Yeah. Um, and they're things that I've tried like the, you can, firstly, there's a whole mental side that you get out of those practices as well, but mm-hmm. the physiological shifts that happen in those things. But, you know, cryo is a, you're spending a couple hundred thousand dollars to put a cryo machine in your house and you can go and get a TRX off you probably get a non-TRX, branded TRX off eBay for yeah. probably like 20, 30 bucks yeah. and work out your whole body and you'll be in the best shape of your life. I think yeah. it's, um, it comes back to your last tip, sort of about trying and failing. Um, if you want to get in shape, there's a lot of things you can try. Yeah,
1: and just find whatever works for you, otherwise you're going to stick
0: to it, right? Correct. You have to um, definitely find a passion as well. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: what is the book that you gift the most to others?
1: Ooh. Oh, um, <laughs> there's probably two, the ones that I gift to others. Um, mm, there, can I say three? You can say three. So it depends on who you're gifting it to. Uh, one is called Slow Sex by Nicole Desjardins, Um and it is it's talk, it talks uh, on the surface level about the female orgasm. Uh, and how to achieve it in 15 minutes.
0: This has not been recommended before on the podcast, but continue. At a
1: deeper level, it talks about how women in modern society have lost touch with the senses. We've been um, overloaded with so much stimulation that we are now unable to be simulated. So it goes back and it brings in their partners, whatever gender, um, and it strips back all of that desensitisation. It strips back all of the... um, Fears that we might have around being sensitized, um, and actually tackles a lot of different issues within relationships um, and um, debunks a lot of myths around physical uh, relationships and emotional relationships. So that one, firstly,
0: I think it's a great. Um, I think that's a great book, just for i want to say males as well to read. But yeah. um, I know. If you look across the internet, you look at YouTube views. Um, there's a Chinese, um, I think he's actually a Qi master as well, um, which you have some um, some background in yourself. But yes. um, Mantak Chia, he overindexes when he speaks about male um, sexuality and um, and sort of. He's basically his whole principle is it's not about having an orgasm down here; it's about having an orgasm up here. Yeah. Um, it, ridiculously over indexes in western countries because it's like completely foreign to most men and it's based on yeah. i think like four thousand eight hundred years ago right. these scriptures were written that he's carried through in his work mm. um and a lot of it talks about the the similar things overstimulation, yeah um you know constant access to the 24 7 365 um internet full of pornography and yeah. full of Anything that your heart can desire, you can go on the internet and a couple of clicks, it's at your fingertips. Yeah, and
1: stipulating how you should act and how you should look and how how you should sound and everything. And it's it's not reality, it's not authentic.
0: When you read that book, was that sort of, um, I guess, quite fundamentally shifting? Like, did it change the way that you looked at, I guess, sexuality
1: and sensuality? Um, Not really, but it was nice to have the way that I thought about it written in a book that was advising other people. Um, and having read this, it also gave me more motivation to write mine. It's just about uh, freedom of expression and that book also um, it talks about the, the nuances with physical relationships and intimacies that people often overlook and they get straight to the physical part um, and they, they miss the whole point of it, which is, Connection, right? Connection with the mind, the mind, body, and soul, and another person, Um, and not necessarily another person. It it also can be by yourself. Um, If you don't have a relationship with yourself, if you don't have a relationship with your sexual self, your sensual self, then you're never going to achieve that um, that ultimate freedom uh, in that area. Yeah, in in the physical sense, or with a physical relationship. What were the other two books? Um, I've uh, Charles Bukowski is um, one of my favourite writers and poets of all time. He has uh, only
0: recommended this to me
1: once. <laughs> <laughs> he's fantastic. He's not that he's not an exemplary human by any way, shape or form. In fact, people would call him quite the opposite. He was, um, I think, Bulgarian who lived in America. Uh, he was an alcoholic. He was addicted to prostitutes. Um, but the way in which he saw the world and he wrote about the world was fascinating. He wrote something which has become quite trendy on social media. It says, find what you love and let it kill you. Let it drain you on your own. Um, and basically says that everything in life is going to kill you. Why not let it be a love or a passion? Um, and I just love his writing. There's a book that is a compilation of all of his best work. Because you have to filter through some of his really dark books to get. some. Some nuggets. This one actually has them all. Uh, I just love it. Uh, that one. And then the other one would probably be Essley Marion's Jonathan This is shit. I love it.
0: <laughs> Best investment of time or money that you have made.
1: value of time um, for me, not necessarily value, but where I get the most enjoyment is in people and in uh, learning from a lot of people, getting mentorship from people, mentoring people, um, and having that depth of connection where you, you uh, touch on people's passions and purpose, and that for me is so exhilarating. If you can get a person to start talking about those things, that is a great investment. So. Um, so a specific moment in time. Or, it's like
0: human connection. Yeah, that's yep. my
1: favourite thing of all time ever. I think life is all about connection the way in which you connect yourself to the world, yourself to other people, yourself to music, to the arts, to what you do. Um, it's all about connection. So I guess any any time spent in connection with yourself or other people is never a waste. Um, No, I was um, gonna. I was gonna <laughs> ask. Um,
0: how many women do you sort of mentor at any one time?
1: Um, uh, there are people that I mentor specifically. Then they reach out either by my website or my social media, um, and it's probably generally one. Um, do you know the the idea of an empath? Do you know what empath is? I am
0: familiar with the term, um, yep. but I'm not, I guess, expertly versed. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, spiritually speaking, um, the idea of empath, empathy, empath comes from the word empathy, so to you know. show empathy for someone. An empath, um, which I was actually led to the term by my therapist, uh, is someone who takes on the emotions of that which is around them, so the energy of people around them, the emotions, the feelings, they feel actually the weight of what someone else is expressing or sharing in themselves as if it's happening to themselves um, so she kind of uh, suggested that I might be an empath and she led me to a book written by a psychologist and doctor um, on the empath survival guide and in this uh, I learned about the term and I realized that I was one and I, uh, if I am too overloaded with people that are helping or supporting become drained of all of my energy and I feel everyone else's and there's nothing left. So I learned uh, a long time ago to protect my, myself and my energy so that I can only take on one at a time. Um, but I always, like, I've got a really close group of girlfriends who I love so much. Um, we contact each other all the time and we're always giving each other business advice or um, supporting each other through that and then random people that I've um, maybe had a conversation with once often reach out to me. Um, they feel comfortable with me to ask for advice and you know, how to express or how to get to I guess where they think I've gotten to um, so yeah
0: what are the most common um, in your mentoring what are the most common things that come up
1: Ooh, uh, um, people will come to me whether it's for TRX help or um, advice on Moving to another city, or to writing, or to getting to a place where they feel like they can express who they are, Um, they will come to me and and say things like, "Oh, I'm struggling a bit with this uh, confidence or self-esteem or relationships. You know, how do I get from A to B?" And then they'll say to me, "Because you know, I'm not sure if you would answer this because it's not like you've ever had an insecurity or anything to um, any bad thing ever happened to in your life." why do you think that?" Um, and they will say, based on the way that I express and talk and how happy I am, or perhaps the way that I look, that therefore I must never have had anything bad happen to me in my life and I must always be confident all the time and I must always feel like I'm 100% perfect in, in whatever in, in their opinion and I think that's a really judgmental and narrow-minded way to, to see. It's not what I would tell them, but I just think, why? Uh, and then Do you think that that's
0: the lens of social media playing out? That it's because they're seeing you as a visual medium. I guess I, I see Instagram as like two D. Yeah. Like it's a flat version of. It's a highly curated real... version
1: of reality.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I guess one of the things that I've contended with with um, social media is uh, we obviously have conversations on this show that are very Mm -hmm. wide-ranging, and they cover a lot of points that I think are very important that people need to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, Are they the kind of videos that my business clients necessarily want me to be producing? Probably not. Um, But I think in order to be three-dimensional on the internet, you have to try and show every side. Now, the Mm -hmm. hardest thing is, if you are so happy and ask, so good at expressing all the things yeah. that you've been working on yeah. for your whole life mm-hmm. is they're only seeing this tiny, you know, yeah. tiny little snippet yeah. and it almost makes you seem 2D, 2D like yeah. nothing bad's ever yeah. happened to you.
1: Yeah. Um, and you're right with that. And I think that social media awareness is something that everybody needs to learn about because it's a highly curated version of reality, like I said. Um, and in many of the ways that I express on social media, I try to remove the ego and write a bit more. So I like to be a bit wordy, I love writing, I like to explain things a little bit more in that way. Um, But I also think that when you're in a lack of uh, self esteem, when you're coming from a place of um, low confidence, low self esteem and you look up to people uh, in your life, you, you put yourself down a lot further than you think you are and perhaps you put people up a bit higher than they are because I'm here, and they're there, I have no idea how I'm going to get from here to there, this person must have had everything right for them, they are what you epitomise to be as successful or happy, um, and I can't see the step between that. And so then in talking to people, because I used to be exactly the same, and there are people that I look up through that are exactly the same, in talking to people you, you bridge the gap by saying, hang on, this is actually what's happened to me in the past, this is what I've been through, this is where I used to be, and you give them a little stepping stone to kind of level the playing field. You show the things that you've been through, that you've overcome, and you don't identify with, because I think victimizing, and um, thinking that your future is the sum of your past is flawed, it's so wrong. Um, And yeah, it's it's in having that authentic talk and becoming more more than two-dimensional, you kind of bring people up to a, a level playing field and get them to see the opportunities that they have available to them
0: What advice would you give to a college or university student about the quote unquote real world?
1: Um, This is interesting because I I didn't go to university, I studied online um, and I didn't actually finish. So why would I be advising to a college student, I don't know. I got some good advice from a mentor, um, who also didn't either, who's highly successful. Um, It doesn't matter what you did or didn't do um, to get to a point. It's you got to a point and you were able to advise to whoever from your experience.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Radio by Jack Roberts. We look forward to bringing you another episode next Monday at 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Until then, you can always subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you'd like to keep up to date with radio, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Radio by Jack Roberts. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Jack Roberts 8 or just type in Jack Roberts on LinkedIn.